How would it feel to have a thriving fitness business and have the freedom to enjoy life at the fullest? Well, that is exactly what the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show is going to give you. My name is Matthew Park. This is Amy Filer. Hey, guys. And we are here to serve. Welcome to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show. My name is Jamie Filer and I'm joined, I'm honored to be joined today by Matthew Park. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about building rapport on a sales call with a prospect, with a client. But Matt, I feel like you should be the one saying, I'm Matthew Park. And then I'll just be like, and I'm Jamie. Hi. You know what I mean? I'm Matthew Park. Right? It's so professional. It's so clean. Are you though, Matt? We had such a successful weekend in Dallas. Well, you were there for almost a full week, but we had a successful weekend. I know. It was amazing. We crushed the discovery day together. We had um, a hidden gym team training on Friday together. We did together. Mm-hmm. We saw, you know, rec- you know, we saw uh, tier members from the past, new members coming in. We saw our amazing Greg McCoy at hidden gym and our team. It was phenomenal. It was. It was incredible. And it's only the beginning. I mean, it was our it was essentially the beginning, right? And we're gonna have so many more after that. They're gonna run smoothly. But today's topic is developing rapport. And that's one of the things we went over with Greg's team on Friday because they at Hidden Gym were in charge of essentially they were, I forget what it's called in business, but it's like the first person you see when you walk into a business. There's an actual term for that. So Essentially, though that initial impression, whether or not they're going to purchase a membership at Hidden whether or not they're going to purchase a membership at Hidden Gym, all relies on that first interaction, that first rapport building activity. Right? Agreed, hundred percent, totally. So, why is rapport building important for, let's say, an online trainer? Okay, you mean for more like a virtual sales call, right? Yes. Yes. So because they will judge you in the first 10 seconds usually, which means they're either going to tune into you, they're going to tune out to you in the first 10 seconds. And this can be through through ways on how you smile, how your eye contact is. If you're looking down and you're saying, hello, how are you today? And just your tonality of a welcoming conversation to welcome them actually in through good rapport and not coming across too hardcore in the first few seconds or too pushy in those first couple of seconds, more welcoming. Of course, it's how you set the tone, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned tonality. Tonality. So Matt, you let's say you have a personality, and I have a personality. And guys, I'm sure you can you can gauge based on the uh, the podcast and previous recordings that Matt and I don't have the same. We get along exceptionally well, but we don't have the same personality. You can even hear in my tone that I am. Uh, my baseline is slightly higher. <laughs> Yep. Put it that way. So Matt, how do you gauge, you know, if you're the first one to speak on a call, how do you gauge where the other person is and whether you're bringing, let's say Matt Park energy, Greg McCoy energy, or Jamie Filer energy to the call? Those first five seconds will tell me Okay. how their posture is, their eye contact is. When I ask, Hey, how are you today? How they respond back to me. If it's in person, I go by a handshake or a hug. And I've seen guys, you know, in the gym, Gal at the gym where they give me this really solid handshake and they kind of pull me in like they were like, listen, dude, don't do that to me. 
those kind of things. Okay. So guys, if you're listening, you'll notice that Matt's first response was body language and eye contact. So what he is implying, what he's saying without saying it is that your sales calls should be face to face, even if it's virtual. And I just put face to face in quotation marks because a lot of us are still doing stuff via zoom. I know it's called a sales call, but it will be so much more effective for you to develop rapport if you can see one another. That way yeah. you can ensure that neither of you are distracted, that both of you have each other's full attention. Um, what else is a benefit of that, Matt? The big thing I think is you want to break that ice and show you actually are listening and you actually care in those first few seconds because mm -hmm. a lot of coaches just are thinking about money and I want to close you as fast as I possibly can. And people can feel that within the first few seconds. Sure. Yep. Um, and Tony Robbins, Robbins, you know, the idea of neuro-linguistic programming is huge on something called mirroring. And that's essentially, I can mold who I am and what I'm doing based on what I see you doing. I'm sure you guys, maybe you've heard in like, you know, when people are on a blind date, if someone's kind of leaning back with their arms crossed, even if that's kind of a closed off posture, you should lean back and close your arms as well. The last thing you want is if they're leaning back and like unsure of you is you're diving in head first and putting your space in their physical space. Very much so. Very much so. I think also from the angle too is when you when you are using your two ears and your one mouth to your advantage by really listening through the, the engaging of, the, of certain questions. Like when you ask, how are you today? As opposed to how are you today? Right. How's yeah. it going today, Jamie? it gives you a chance to like, you know, almost like respond in a proactive approach. It's not really like prodding you for a response, more of like welcoming you for yeah. a response. Oh, that's great. So what's interesting about that, Matt, and hopefully you guys have read the corresponding blog that goes with this podcast. This will be linked. Um, but you mentioned following a sales script. And I think that a lot of trainers, especially ones who are just beginning, are, are like they want that secret sauce. And so many business coaches sell the, the $10,000 sales script. But why do you feel like the sales script is actually a disadvantage versus an advantage? Because I feel it's more inauthentic and you become very robotic in your approach. Now, Yes, movie actors, you know, follow scripts. I get that. But all, at the end of the day, we're coming into building actual, actual, with actual human relationship here. When it comes to asking certain kinds of questions, I can ask, how are you? Or I can ask, you know, how's the family doing? Based on, for example, what's on the back of your wall. For example, Michelle Barnes, my first call with her, I saw a picture of her kids in the back. Okay. Yeah. That isn't in a script. I had to bring that actually in there based on seeing what was visually happening in there based on seeing what was visually happening in the back of her background. Because of that one thing, I caught her attention like this. And she was like, like leaning into me right away, right in the conversation. Right. Most coaches are like, Hey, by the way, Michelle, how are you? Um, what do you do? Um, what are your goals? Freaking. So do you have some sort of formula though? So that eventually we do get to the part where you get to tell them how you can help them. How do you know when you've developed enough rapport to get to the pitch? That's a great question. I go by feel on watching them. Okay. And I can usually tell because some people come on a call with me, they're usually fidgety mm -hmm. or they're like leaning back or leaning in. I'll kind of watch, obviously you mentioned mirroring. I'm more looking at kind of their language of basically when they open up to me, I can tell they're obviously leaning in or their shoulders drop. Okay. And it comes through questions I ask, right? Do you have any kids? What got you into coaching? You know, where are you calling from today? Not where are you calling from today? You know, where are you calling from today? Awesome. What got you into coaching? 
well, why was that, right? All of a sudden, I'm adding interest into there. I noticed that all of a sudden, they start to like calm down a bit and their anxiety drop. All of a sudden, they open up in the learning phase, in the where, where is your struggles basically at? Where are the pain points? Now, now they want to share with me the struggles basically at. Where are the pain points? Now, now they want to share with me these things as opposed to prodding for these things. Sure. So what do you do, Matt, when, you know, let's say you're 10 minutes in, maybe not even. What got you into coaching? I don't know. I've always been interested in it. Oh, well, uh, and you're like kind of caught off guard. Where are you calling from today? Clearwater. Mm. What, like, how do you, how do you give when they're not, I guess, how do you feed off their energy and how do you develop rapport if they're not giving you what you need? Mm, that's a very good question. I think the angle is too, is from that person, usually there's topic, typically obviously a block or they're even either having some sort of like anxiety kind of coming into the conversation. Yeah. So it comes with angles like, Hey, do you have any kids, you know, or right now, how's your morning going for you so far today? You know, yeah. or like, what, what are your big goals and aspirations right now as far as what you're, what you're striving for? Right. So you got to play with that, those cards a bit to find exactly what, what kind of question will get them to open up to you. Yes. Okay. Right? Perfect point. And something that we talk about in TRM as well when doing an initial call is, you know, the two most important words on a sales call are me too. Because when you when you have a shared experience with anybody, yeah. uh, it helps them relate to you a little bit more. Doesn't matter if it's your favorite sport, doesn't matter if it's where you live, doesn't matter if it's the kids thing or what got you into training. If you can say me too more frequently on a call, You've now turned them into a friend, not just a prospect or client. 100%. You know, intriguing story. So when I wrote that blog about this week regarding like my 580 some age, I should call in over four weeks. What yeah. got me to actually build a report at the very end of these convos wasn't so much, hey, what do I do or what do you do? It was like, what got you into sports in the very beginning as an agent? Oh, yeah. Yep. So all of a sudden, I'm showing like eating angles. That kind of broke the ice near the end. <laughs> Of, of like calling like I don't know how many freaking times these people, but that, that's kind of what kind of got that because all of a sudden now I'm expressing well, what got you into this thing and yeah. what was the main reason for it, you know? Yep, that's brilliant. And again, even if it's you're not necessarily related to that exact reason, perhaps it was a devotion to family, and yeah. you understand maybe it's it wasn't your devotion to family that got you into coaching yourself, but you are devoted to your family. And you're like, I totally understand that. You know, my mom and I actually have a really special bond. I love going back to visit her in Toronto. So I totally get why you would want to be the best mom or dad you could be for your kids, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. Let me ask you, Jamie, what things do you feel you do best or feel are tips you would share to the group about what things you do for rapport building in your sales calls? Great question. Great question, Matt. Um, so as you know, my demographic is typically uh, people struggle with anxiety and potentially even a little bit of introversion, which they kind of go hand in hand. And I myself as an intro, it, I myself am an introvert who also struggles with anxiety. So even though we don't recommend you guys have a script, I do have three ice breaking questions, Ooh. right? Because sometimes people like I might be the first person they've spoken to on the phone that month. They're not used to an actual human being being interactive. They're, they're used mm. to being able to control the flow of conversation from the other side mm. of a screen. So I, you know, simple, how old are you? What do you do for work? And what do you do for fun? Oh, 
Those are great questions, Jamie. And then then they're all jumping off points, right? Like, what do you do for work? Sometimes it's something I can relate to or, oh, that must be really labor intensive or, oh my God, you're a nurse. I have so much respect for you, especially given what's been happening since last year. And then of course, what do you do for fun? Let me hear your hobbies. Let me hear what like sets your soul on fire. Maybe Maybe something, you know, again, I can pick apart and see if I can relate to them. So that is that is how I start. I try to say me too as frequently as possible. But obviously, as you mentioned, genuinely and authentically, if yep. they say baseball is their favorite sport, I cannot empathize. Mine is basketball. That is not going to get a me too. Um, but that's pretty much how I start. Now, how do you define a script? Uh, I guess... I don't really. Okay. So the great question also, that's why I asked you about a formula for the call. I don't have a script, but I have a formula. First part is obviously the welcome. The intro is now still a good time. Okay, great. Like, do I have your full attention? Are you in the car? Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we go into my three icebreaker questions. Then we go into the, what brought them here today? What can I help you with? Where brought them here today? What can I help you with? Where does it hurt? Do I have your permission to tell you a little bit about how I can help you, my services, what I can do for you so that it doesn't hurt anymore? And then going forward into the close, the transaction at the end or like the monetary transaction at the end and, and that's it. So that is how I define a script. I define it as a formula. I have no idea what's going to come out of their mouth, often no idea what's going to come out of mine. But I know how I would like the conversation to run. Again, because of my demographic, they like being led. Because they have so much anxiety and they don't know what to expect, it's really easy when I come in with clarity and confidence and say, I'm going to guide us through this. Don't even worry. This is That's awesome. That's awesome. That clarity actually is kind of cool because it defines formula from mm-hmm. like, here's the script for the next half an hour you're going to follow. Yep. Right. Totally different things. It was kind of as cool because you use that point from doing what half an hour calls now to even less calls, like less length of calls, mm-hmm. but it's more of a dialed in process to actually get to, you know, building rapport and getting them obviously with you as, as a client. Absolutely. And, and one of the, one of the things that ideally you guys have in your process at a certain point in your careers is uh, I guess what Ross would refer to as like a triage call, right? You know, my first question how, you know, how old are you? If they give me a 19, Mm. not my ideal client, right? They're either not emotionally ready for my services, Mm. probably not financially ready. And I know not financially ready. And I know that right away. So, Mm. you know, what our friend Ross Cowan does is also have a triage call because he deals with high performance women who don't like crash diets or excessive cardio. He will get a sense in the first 15, the only 15 minute call, whether they're going to be a client or not. So find for yourself what works in terms of rapport development, but also as you're developing rapport, is this person going to be a good fit for you? That's phenomenal, Jamie. I love that. So let me ask you, I guess, if a client comes up, also comes on a call with you and you're getting a little bit of barriers, obviously of entry on, on the initial part of the conversation, what sort of ways you kind of work around that for yourself? Uh, typically humor. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So I had a, I had a client last year who was a corrections officer in Canada. So obviously every answer I was like essentially stonewalled. (laughs) And so what I said to her was, does your girlfriend have this much, have this much trouble getting through to you? 
And she started laughing and she's like, she tells me that all the time. She tells me I'm closed off all the time. And I could hear her smiling and I was smiling. And I'm like, you guys all carry a chip on your shoulder. I don't understand it, but I think we can get rid of it. And then, so I know, you know, I use humor to diffuse the situation. What do you do? Honestly, I just use different angles of questions. I think think for me, actually, use different angles of questions. Um, I've used humor, humor as well in different angles as well to crack some jokes, of course, can connect jokes. But um, the biggest thing I think for me is just different questions. And I kind of look and watch them. Okay. And I yeah. watch how they move, like if they're turning their head or they're rolling their eyes or they're kind of sitting back or whatever, like I'm watching their actual language. Yes. Kind of, what kind of questions are actually kind of opening them up and then yeah. kind of go deeper on that kind of question. Which is so interesting because we discussed that with Greg's hidden gym crew. Cause they're like, some of these guys are in gym crew. Cause they're like, some of these guys are bodybuilders and they just want a gym membership. They're not yeah. interested in getting to the depth of the pain point and the exactly. seven layers of why. And we're like, then just ask them about bodybuilding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, because bodybuilders love talking about themselves and their last show and on season, off season. And to, and, and that's exactly what you said, Matt, right? We don't have to go to your childhood trauma. No. Just tell me what you love and tell me more of it. Yeah. How's prep going? Yeah. How yep. far are you from your show? Yep. You know, what it. show are you doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. What show are you doing? Where did the judges tell you you needed improvement? There you go. Jamie's bang on. So do we want to go into maybe a little bit continuing that rapport? Because it's not about entertaining them at the front end. And then like, sweet, I got their money. I'm going to send them their program. My work here is done. There's obviously more. So what can we do, Matt, to continue to show these clients that we care? We have to have a very smooth onboarding experience. So I believe when we we finish that rapport process, go into understanding, learning where they're at, you know, present of the actual offer, the close and so forth. Now it's like, yeah, you got that far. You got their credit card. It's wonderful. But they can also back out if they want to. They can give you some pullback and forth. So the onboarding process now is going to come to your second part. You know, is the onboarding smooth? You know, is the onboarding smooth? You know, are they going to have, you know, some support now from like some automation coming in or a courtesy call from somebody on your team or get their programs or like what's their next steps? Yeah. And that's building rapport now because it's building trust and trust is also rapport. I think what's important about what you just said, Matt, in terms of things running smooth and frictionlessly is to those listening, guys, think of your least technologically advanced client that you've ever had. Okay. That is the kind of process that we want. Also think, you know, in TRM, we do, we do sales calls or compatibility calls. Very rare for trainers to actually call to like interview their prospects and vice versa. That's old school, hopping on the phone with someone saying, how are you? And like genuinely listening to the answer. So the more touch points, the less automation, but if you are going to automate it, you better list and just make sure they understand everything, right? With every email, there should be a text message. With every text message, maybe do a phone call or every other day, do a phone call to make sure that they understand the onboarding process. Because if they're confused from the beginning, you know what happens with confusion? Distrust. Mm-hmm. And their uh, confidence will get lower because they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Why can't I figure out this Google Doc thing? Why do I have to keep requesting a sign in? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or questioning, even questioning going forward. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. hundred percent. So make it as easy for them to understand as possible. Guys, don't just assume that everyone is a proficient in technology as you are. That will also help develop rapport. I mean, I would rather be told, Hey coach, I don't need as many text messages, making sure I'm okay. Then yeah. listen, Jamie, it's not going to work. You barely message me. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. You're better off doing it overboard. Hundred percent. Yeah. Again, especially in the onboarding process, when clients are still, even though they've given you their money and to yeah. an extent they trust you, you still have to prove yourself every single day, just like a, a relationship, just like a romantic relationship. Right. It almost goes back to that, you know, five to 12 touch point thing. Like, you know, say for example, that, you know, you go on a call, you build rapport and you close a client that could be your third or fourth touch point. You might just knock mm -hmm. out of the park, but yeah. there's still many more touch points in there. Like before they even like can really fully trust you. Like they could be, you know, said, obviously again thinking I work with you for a while, but all of a sudden they're getting an email from Jamie. They're getting a text from you. They're getting like in the Facebook with Jamie, they're going to be getting some more courtesy call from maybe, you know, Katie from uh, the team, whatever. All of a sudden all these things happen for two weeks. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is the best experience of my, of my life. I feel yeah. so valued. Yeah. I don't go anywhere else after a month. It's almost like that month is a trial for that client. They're paying you on how good is your rapport? How good is your experience? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing they're going to do is recommend other people to, to join you because you're so personable yeah. because they genuinely like you. Even sometimes even before they've seen the, the extent of the results, you'll get them. They yeah. just recommend you because you're a good person. You're like a magnet. That's could be a whole new podcasting. But I think one thing also too is, when you build rapport, I think many coaches try to build rapport, number one, too quickly, or they try to, they try to sacrifice, I want to just make as much income money as fast as possible, and they yeah. sacrifice rapport, and they get the income surge, then yeah. they lose a bunch of clients in two months, Yeah, and they get a really bad taste in their mouth from the, from the actual coach. You're better off taking a little bit steady and, and strong growth process, having that good rapport system in place, hand off to somebody else, your team, or, or monitor that process, and just keep the experience strong. And then like Jamie talked about, all of a sudden you become a referral machine. Yeah. Clients don't want to go anywhere. They're telling all their friends. And all of a sudden you just, just you grow this foundation that never actually has a dip. It's always steadying upwards. Your business model, Jamie, is an example of that. It's never broke underneath 40K yet. It, it, you've been there for seven or eight months in a row. A lot of coaches get to 40 and they're back down to 20 again. Yeah, because it wasn't steady. It wasn't, it wasn't a, the same thing that got them there in the first place. Or, or for example, they got there and they have to work that much harder because they have nothing in place to keep the rapport in check, but you've built the system to support the growth, which allows you to take time off with your wife and come to TRM events and have this podcast with us Right. that allows right. you to have fun and not just work your ass off all day long and be tired at the end of the day. That's off all day long and be tired at the end of the day. That's it. And that's what it's about. hundred percent. Now I do want to share one quick story about... We could call this over rapport. Yeah. I had a I, I had a prospect and we had a sales call for like a, a Monday morning and I got an email from them about an hour before saying, Hey Jamie, I'm I'm not feeling well. Perhaps we can reschedule. And I said, Okay, no problem. How about Wednesday? And they said, I don't actually know when I'm going to be well again. So if we could just put it off indefinitely. And I said, Oh my gosh, I hope you're okay. Is it serious? Their response their response was that is an invasion of privacy to ask that question. I've been working really hard on establishing limits and boundaries, and I believe you just crossed one. While we could have worked really well together, I don't think this is a good fit. I wish you all the best in your business. 
Really, Jamie? Over rapport. Matt, you know me. My heart is as big as my 5'8 body. That's but incredible. I asked a question that just dove a little bit too deep into, I guess, where they were comfortable sharing. And I didn't even get a chance to make the pitch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Giving that story gives me goosebumps because I'm such like a heart centered person that like, yeah. whether it's a total stranger or my mom, I'm going to say, is it serious? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Which sounds like that wasn't a fit for you at all. And Katie reassured me about that several times over, but it was still so like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I asked, like, I can't believe I was too caring, I guess, in that situation. You did the right move, Jamie. Thank you, Matt. All right. We, we are, oh my God, that went by so quickly. What are some last tips, last tricks, last words you have on rapport building? I have one word. Go for it. Practice. Okay. What about you, Jamie? What do you have for thoughts? No, dude, volume. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Even if you have interactions like that one that I just shared, that's practice for me. That's volume. So even if you are one for 10 on sales calls, go hop on 10 more. Don't let that discourage you. Just practice. Just get that volume in. One tip you could practice with people in the park, at the gym, your mm -hmm. friends. Yep. Just build rapport. Go to the car, go, go, go to the car shop, build rapport with somebody, you know, in the actual building. Grocery store. Also, yeah, grocery store, the report. person who's like is constantly trying to start conversations. And how often are we either on our phones or we're just we're already at the next car or whatever? Yeah, Matt, just focus. Focus on conversations. Be, yeah. Professor Park, thank you so much for your words of wisdom today. Appreciate it. And you, sir. Thank you, Jamie. You were always a turbo of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, guys. If you found value in today's show, please share it on your Instagram, your Facebook. Be sure to tag, tag at Jame91, at Mindset underscore Matt with two Ts, and at Trainer Revenue Multiplier. We are on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode or any nuggets of wisdom. Also catch up each week live on our Trainer Revenue Multiplier Facebook page. Matt, thank you again so, so much. You rock, Jamie.